sign system. I'll find you in the shoes and moving a great and being enough. The sign system is everywhere you go. Gonna hear the jingle. We're stoked on the jingle. Design systems everywhere. It's not bad. It's not bad. Design systems. It's, uh, it's making a making a comeback. Design systems. Design systems everywhere. It's, it's a good comeback. Good comeback. I think. <laughs> I guess we'll hear. How are you, PJ? I'm good, man. Yourself? Good. Very good. Very good. Wednesday afternoon today and wanted to talk a little bit about design system support and what that means to you. Port, I believe, is a better term for something like governance. Governance was a hot term for for a while, but really wanted to lean in on what your idea and my idea of what design system support may mean. Yeah. So who cares about my opinion? I'd love to hear about you. What do you think design system support is? I love that. I love the the interview. This is how you interview for a job, right? Like, uh, <laughs> PJ, tell me about yourself. Uh, Davey, tell me a little bit about design system support. Uh, my favorite part of design system support, very biased here, is office hours and a communication channel that is not only more freeform than, say, a typical design review, but also has the right stakeholders in there, is casual enough for designers to feel safe uh, to present work and get tactical feedback, but then also a place for product designers to interact with design system maintainers. So we've had an extreme amount of positive success at Daisy Streaming with our office hours and partially why I wanted to name this podcast too, Design System office hours just to riff on the positivity but that was one mechanism of our our support at disney that was very positive at at meta now we also have design system uh, office hours as well it's a different flavor of them Uh, at disney we had them as a open uh, open uh, forum where you'd be able to just drop in uh, within uh, half an hour's time Uh, we had two sessions that were half an hour piece uh, at Meta, we've been uh, doing uh, signups and really trying to automate that process a little more. So we try to get folks uh, signing into office hours via our um, support group. Uh, so it's it's more of like a think about like if you were to ask a question and like a Slack or some sort of messaging group, uh, being able to automate, set up uh, an office hours appointment or a, a slot to discuss this further. So different Different mechanism uh, have uh, to have a little bit of automation in there. That's another topic that I, uh, PJ would like to talk about in the future. But we also uh, talking about the the support channel. Uh, we have a not surprising uh, Meta has their own groups, uh, so it's very much uh, like an internal uh, Facebook sort of thing. So the design system team has our own design system support group. And uh, folks could come in and uh, post uh, questions, feature requests, bugs, any any of that uh, sort of thing. And we're able to automate any of that uh, request to create tasks on the fly. So that's been a very good mechanism. And going back to some of the surveys that we've been running, uh, we've had a really high sentiment on our, our support channels and, and that mechanism. But 
what, what's been successful for you all at Pinterest? Yeah. So we do a lot of the same thing. We we're not as fancy as you. We just use this, this quaint little tool called Slack for team communication. We have a, a design systems Slack channel for, for design and then for, for engineering as well to try to keep it as focused as possible. Truth be told, those are, there's a lot of work that goes into into support. And if you've listened to this podcast long enough, it's probably a drinking game at this point to where if PJ starts talking about uh, money and cost, <laughs> support is a big area where we, there's it's a high cost touch point, but it's super important. So uh, one thing I've been trying to think of is how can we reduce that cost? And that's why we're big into documentation, but it is, it, it, it just takes a lot of work and there's a lot of opportunities for failure there, right? So you have office hours, people sign up, but you know, let's say someone gets sick now, you know, someone on our team gets sick and, and they are the, the, the knowledge holder of that domain that becomes a problem or the other person gets sick uh, and they can't join. It can just be challenging at times, even though I'm a big fan of it, mainly just for some FaceTime. I mean, Lordy in the days of COVID, FaceTime is a is a rare commodity nowadays. Um, so it's nice just to see folks that you haven't seen in a while and talk shop. But that's been a, a common topic for us in general is we have all these mechanisms for support. They're doing pretty well, at least from you know what feedback from design and engineering. But how can we ease the burden on our team so that they're not just wearing it every single Week. But just try to try to keep the the support sharp and snappy and accurate, which all those things together can be a lot of work. Yeah, I, I, another drinking game buzzword would be scale, right? So how 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 might you scale this to support somewhat of a larger team? So I, I was extremely surprised that uh, the sheer number of people that may utilize our component libraries. The number is a little fuzzy. It's some like hundreds of people across Facebook may open and utilize, like let's say our geodesic web library. And we cannot uh, handle uh, hundreds of people chiming in and messaging us on Slack or whatever messaging tool that we use. So I think it's a good problem. Uh, we when when the teams are smaller, like at Disney, we we welcome people coming in and asking questions, and we. Uh, there's a lot of pride in being snappy, like you said, but how do we make sure that we have um, a, a constant feedback mechanism for people to come in and ask questions and being being able to get uh, responses within a reasonable amount of time? And the group setting, um, I think, is a little easier because it, it becomes more asynchronous. The, if it's a channel, uh, there may be an expectation that someone will respond like immediately, uh, which, which is difficult, you know, between individual contributors and leads being in, being in meetings, we're not just always able to answer questions. So one mechanism that, uh, different teams, I think across uh, meta has used is design on call. So very similar to how engineers do it, but you would assign, uh, for us, we assign uh, one designer and one engineer, uh, and then you go on, on call for a week. And then you triage all the incoming questions that come in and you may not be the, the point of contact, the knowledge holder of specific question, but you know how to get a hold of the, the person. So that mechanism I think would work very well, uh, as the team scale. Yeah. Funny enough, we do the same thing. We have an on-call for design and engineering for the, for the length of the sprint. 
And even still, though, it's just that that poor soul that's on call is <laughs> answering a lot of questions. And so what we're trying to figure out is how can we really get our Slack channels and our office hours focused on the questions that we haven't already answered? And if it's in the docs, how can we gently, kindly, humbly uh, recommend going to the docs? Uh, one reason being, what's the worst thing you can possibly do? Give someone the wrong information, right? And so if, if, it's, if it's on the docs and we haven't touched it, we haven't changed it, it's going to be the same answer every single time which is valuable in and of itself, as long as it's a good answer. The, the risk of having a completely human response mechanism is people answer incorrectly or they answer in a way that's misunderstood and then uh, it's construed a different way. And now all of a sudden folks feel like they're getting different answers and like, you know, chaos and up and up is down, right is left. The value of, of centralizing this sort of thing is that if you can nail the answer clearly, ain't going to change. And everyone can refer to that one point of truth without relying on that person on the team to be able to answer it correctly. Design system drinking game, another term for you here. Uh, source of truth. You try to go around it by saying point of truth, but source of truth. Uh, we do we do the same where we try to point people back to our documentation. The documentation hasn't changed, but it was an intentional circumstance where it just wasn't kept up to date. So that's that's one thing that we've been chasing as well is across meta, we have a freshness score for wiki pages, but uh, we don't have the same for design system documentation. That that would be something that would be good just to see like, oh, this page has been updated in the last 30 days. Like you should be good to go. This page hasn't been updated in a year. I don't even recognize some of the contributors that are on this page. We, If we're pointing people uh, to our documentation as a mechanism uh, for this being our source of truth, we need to make sure that it's as updated as humanly possible within our bandwidth anyways. Yeah, 100%. And that's a full-time job in and of itself, right? I will be the first to say that nine times out of 10, given the the frenetic nature of work, someone answer, you know, someone asks a question, I respond to it. And not once do I think, huh, should that go in the documentation? No. It's just, okay, I solved that problem. I'm on to the next problem. Um, and really what I should be doing is looking at that question and saying, okay, does that warrant it going into the docs? If so, can I, can I do it now or can I backlog it? But, but constantly trying to keep those, those docs up to date and incrementally improving them so that the next time someone answers, I ask a similar question, we can refer back to them. By the way, by the way, I have a complete tangent, but I was curious if you had the same experience. We, for whatever reason, experience trends or, you know, hotspots. So one week it'll be icons just out of the blue. Everyone will be asking about icons. And then, and then as soon as it pops up, it's on to the next thing. Then the next week it's carousels or whatever, right? It could be whatever, but like there's these, these weird like spikes of, of, of topics that come up and it's just like, wait, what, <laughs> where did this come from? Why are we talking about this? Do you have the same thing happen for your team? We, we have, um, I think patterns of people asking for things like a table. So we might get people really interested in a particular component or react refactoring a component. And then that really drives us to, we, we do utilize support channels to call out when things are out of date. So like if 
someone asks about table, we'll go click on the documentation and say, oh, shit. Okay, this hasn't been updated in a year. All right, let's uh, create a task to, to update this. So then we could have this ready for the next person. And then the next person comes and asks about table. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, this, uh, this component is broken. Check into that. And then each time somebody asks, I think it really, believe it or not, it does bump it up this virtual queue um, because it does show that... Um, there's interest around the specific pattern. And then what we, what we try to do when we do get, uh, we see those trends is we, uh, start ball and telling people to uh, provide feedback for us. So we'll say, Hey, three people that asked about table, we're going to, uh, solicit your feedback. Now we actually fixed a lot of your stuff and we've been working on some new updates. Do you want to take this in, you know, jam with us on it for a little bit and then see uh, if there's anything that you would like to see. And that's worked really well from design system bingo optics point of view and it, it shows that you know not only are we listening uh, but we're, we're trying to be responsive um, in terms of our yeah that's an interesting um, that's the interesting balance right responsive versus overreactive to where you stop everything there was a question about this thing uh that's that's the challenge right you definitely want to meet the needs of people where they are and and be responsive to their needs but but how do you do so in a way to where you're not just completely shifting priorities sprint after sprint after sprint? In terms of other types of support um, and uh, like comms, design system comms, what else has been successful for you in the last half? I think the biggest win has been our our weekly our weekly digest where we where we post all the all the updates that are relevant to team members for that week, and we do that to keep the design channel, the Gestalt design channel from being too chatty across the course of a week where we're just slamming people with every single update. And we're trying to put it in a way to where it, it it's all just codified in one place. And you know it around after, Friday afternoon, you're going to get your update. The other thing that we do is we, we publish those same updates on our website, on our, our documentation rather, so that, you know, Slack is super ephemeral, high likelihood that you may not even see the message. You can always refer back to our what's new page where we give a, a, a synopsis of the week, all the updates, why we did it, um, and how it should impact them. So, so there's one central place, an archive of all of our updates that you can go through and say, okay, I've, I've been out for vacation. What have, what have I missed over the past two or three weeks? That is kind of support. It's support in, in a way to where we oftentimes are closing the loop on, Hey, we fixed this thing and here it is. And here's how you can get it just to make sure that people do know that we, we take their, we take their feedback seriously. We actually try to address it. That has probably been one of our, our biggest wins for you know, not a huge amount of effort. It's, you know, it takes a decent amount of time to put that update together, but it's it's sure seems like it's been worth it. So one of my issues of Slack or messaging or internal Facebook group is just the fire hose of information that designers see from day to day. So design chatter, design tools chatter, social chatter that you may see. We may be posting something that is fairly important. But because we heavily rely on, for whatever reason, right, moving away from email, we're not doing email anymore. That is web one. Um, because of that, things get 
things get lost and we, we are finding that we need different mechanisms, whether it's the, the channels, the group, but there needs to be something else. Uh, and whether it's a monthly update, which I think would be a little bit too aggressive, maybe a bi-monthly design system update that is a sort of a share out, a, a virtual share out demo, uh, so to speak, that, that might be uh, worthy. Uh, but something that I think might might be able to go a little further and then really put names to faces and really shine, uh, put the shine on our individual contributors on our team. What have you done in that space to to scratch that itch? Uh, here at Meta, not not yet. Um, at Dizzy, we were able to present on a, I, w- I would say, ad hoc quarterly uh, when, whenever we wanted. So we had the FaceTime to go deep into what the design system has been doing for 20 minutes and we could elect to either have the leads present or I could present uh, on behalf of the leads. It, it could be any, any way that we want based on the, the level of conversation. And we've presented things like component library updates or release model updates or uh, our survey. And it really put us out there and gave you the idea uh, and showed you that we're out there and we're making updates and we're constantly improving this thing. We're receptive to feedback. These are the folks that are doing this uh, sort of work. The Slack channel, I would say at, at Disney, um, we didn't have that great a success in terms of like engagement to our, our messages. And we, we did see that even though we would post something in this, in this channel, weren't sure if people were reading it. That's yeah. That I think that's the challenge of, of, sending something out on, on Slack is that people may see it. People may not. You hope that just you build up a cadence to where two out of three times they do. And that's where we're hoping our what's new page is the passive area where if folks do want to know, we're always available for them. So I've been on vacation this week and it's Wednesday. So three days in, and I've already, I've had three days away from emails and Slack (laughs) I forget how much it drives me nuts, to be honest with you. And so I think I that's one thing I try to remember is these poor, poor people that are doing work. They're busy. They got they're getting pinged in a million different areas. And they'll probably the last thing on their mind is a design systems update, right? And so I think we have to keep that in mind. They got a lot of things going on in work and in life. And just because we think it's important, it may not be important to them. And that's totally fine. And so how do we, how do we communicate clearly, consistently, but in a way to where, Hey, if you're not, if you don't have time for it now, no sweat here, it is later. Uh, so that you're up to date. And, and if you need, if you need to get up to speed, we're, we're here to get you up to speed. That's kind of like the support aspect of communication. But if, if one begins to take it personally, that folks don't read your comms. I think, I think you're in a long, you're in for a long road, a long, lonely, sad road, because it's, it's likely going to happen because folks are busy. No, it's like, I think it's less of the, my feelings are hurt that the comms aren't being read. I, it's more of a, how can I better effectively communicate these updates at the right time to the people that care about this? So like the, obviously the people that may care about the updates may be a subset of the people that even utilize the system. It might be like the top 25 people that are using it this this half or the top 50 people. It's, it's not the meta-wide or meta-business uh, 
wide. Um, but really trying to illustrate like when there, when there is significant things to update or, or solicit feedback on that we could utilize these support channels uh, to do that. One other one uh, that I wanted to sort of go over is utilizing support to onboard new folks. Meta has been very good at, uh, I think like you had mentioned, uh, automating this a little bit with just uh, videos. So uh, trainings that are either asynchronous or uh, onboarding sessions to get people uh, interested and involved uh, with the design system. Wanted to ask you about uh, different mechanisms that you've you've used at Pinterest or the, the designers or design ops have used to get people involved and uh, socialize what Gestalt is about. We're working on that this half, as a matter of fact. We have a an onboarding class that we that we do every other week, which is a hands-on onboarding session, if you will, with at least one Gestalt team member running designers through the, the basics of Gestalt. We also have a getting started for designers page on our documentation, which is a good start, but it can use some work. But we have we have some tricks up our sleeve that we want to try this half where just things are a little bit more bite-sized, a little bit more when you need it. You know, the onboarding fire hose is a real thing. And it's not like they're just onboarding with Gestalt. They're onboarding for their benefits. They're onboarding with their team, meet new folks. And design systems probably pretty low on that, on that, uh, on that ranking. And, you know, we got folks that are in at Pinterest for years that because again, like things are new, it's almost like you're always onboarding, you're onboarding to the, the updates, you're onboarding to, to new ways of working. And so what we want to try to do is create content that helps people continually onboard some like continuing education to where if you've been at Pinterest for three years or three hours that these, that this content will be helpful to make sure that you're using it to its fullest. Yeah, it just occurred to me being new to Meta, so I'm about 12 weeks in now. Design system training might be a better training that is one month in. So just to avoid the initial fire hose, maybe even further out. But a month in, by that point, yeah, you'll be uh, you'll have your machine set up. <laughs> you'll have your benefits. You'll be you know be able to go to the doctor and all, all that good stuff. You're getting paid. But you're actually working by that point. And that's when you do have questions about, oh, how do I utilize uh, your component libraries? Where do I go for documentation? Oh, PJ, where do I go for help? Uh, if I had a question, do I just uh, post it in this uh, Gestalt Slack channel? Or do I is there um, do I file a, a ticket? How do I attend office hours? Those, sort, those sorts of things. And I think a month in might be the, the good, uh, sort of uh, the sweet spot for when uh, you, you avoid a little bit of the... Uh, the fire hose of information when folks start. Yeah. I think the big, the big takeaway is that you want to make sure that your support is supportive <laughs> and that you're not providing things that aren't helping. And, and even if it's easy for your team, if it's not helping the, uh, your customers, then it's not, is it really support if it's not supporting them? So that's where nailing the timing, nail, nailing the format, nailing the content is really important. Um, and so the threading the needle there is just how do you do that, but also do it in a way to where you don't light your team on fire uh, with just the sheer effort to do so. It's tough stuff, but uh, super important. Yeah, we haven't done this um, on this this team for a bit. And at Disney, I think we were a little bit more um, sporadic about this, but lunch and learns, being able to gather people around to learn, possibly learn about something that is not 
design system specific, but maybe it's tool specific. Maybe it's a proto.io or proto.py or some prototyping tool that you all are using has a new feature and we'd want to just sort of dive in, do a quick demo of that and share share that out. Uh, have you had success doing something like that? You know, this is just me talking, but I think in the world of, of COVID and remote work, I think lunch and learns are just a bridge too far. My lunch and learn would be get the hell away from your computer for just a, a hot suck second and we'll talk later. Uh, we still have lunch and learns. No offense to lunch and learns, uh, but I would just have a hard time asking people during their lunch after they've just looked at a screen for the last four hours to l- look at the screen some more while they're eating. So that's not typically something that we do. We did do it a lot when pre-COVID, which was great. Everyone would get their food and then sit and chill, which was it was nice, um, but not so much during covid um, I don't know. Have you? No, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> I haven't had success. Uh, I, I, it was good for lunch and learn that was within our team and we were able to order food for us. And it was like a team building experience. I think you could do that for a smaller team and get a lot of enrichment out of that. Maybe watch, watch a course together, but I, I get that. Maybe it's a, a, a 10 AM brunch and learn. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do a happy hour, but the last thing we talk about in our happy hours work and it's a happy hour at 1230, which is, you know, I guess it's a happy hour somewhere, but, but we, we really try to keep it as, as non-work related as possible, but something like that would be awesome. Um, it's just finding the right time, especially now that folks are in, in different time zones, it gets tricky. Things are so much easier when everyone was in the same place. Not that, you know, I like working from home, it's nothing against that, but it, but there was something really simple about there was an office and you'd go in there and 80 to 90% of the people were likely going to be there as well. Yeah. There's, there's a different time. You know, I, I work remote full time as well, but maybe we could, maybe we could bridge that gap uh, some other way. Uh, education, I think education support, uh, something that you've talked a lot about PJ, something that us uh, at Meta for Geodesic on my design system team has been uh, very hands-on into uh, last last half um, last half of this year, and it's a, it's a continuing process because then it feeds into and it opens up it opens up a once you pull the thread on on support and you figure out oh oh this is actually tied to making sure our documentation is up to date then it becomes just a, an ongoing process of just keeping uh, keeping up and uh, doing the best that we can so. Uh, we're, we're here for you. We hear you. We care. We're listening. Your call is important to us. Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> the SLA the SLA is variable depending on the request, but your call is very important to us. We joke, but it, it's it's one of the it, for our team. It's one of the most. It's one of the the biggest efforts on our team. It's just making sure that we're not leaving folks hanging, and that we're doing everything in our power to make sure that that the thing is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing for as many people as possible. It's a not an easy thing to do. Turns out. Now this is easy. That's why we're leaders of thought with hundreds of thousands of listeners, right? Well, yeah. well you are. Um, I'm just, I'm just riding on your coattails, <laughs> Davey. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This was a, this is a good, good discussion about support. I love, I love it. This was a great drinking game. If you ever play design system drinking game, Designs to bingo. This would be a good episode, episode 15. So thank you again, PJ, for a good discussion. 
Thank you.